All right, all right. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to another Ramblin' Radio episode, episode number 38. Man, we got a special episode today. I'm so freaking excited. I know you're excited too, especially if you know who the guest is. But before we get into that, I just want to know, how are you guys doing? How's the week going? It's Monday. Hopefully, you're having a great week. We're going to get right into it, but we also... It's a, it's not only is it a special episode, but it's also a special day because we are kicking off the five day challenge. It's free five day challenge where it's all about how to land your biggest client without a huge social media following. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, maybe you're new to the podcast, maybe you're new to following uh, my content, but basically once in a while we host one of these challenges and they are so epic because of the feedback that we received, but really it's, it's the results that we see and the transformations that occur because of these challenges. They're so eye opening to people. Um, and we really just give you a different perspective on how to think about getting clients and new strategies that you might never have thought about before. So it's it's really it's an unbelievable it's basically it's a really a five day workshop. It's a challenge, but it's also a workshop. And if you complete the five days and you and you work hard at it and you do what the challenge is each and every day, you have a really good chance of winning a thousand dollar cash prize. Yes, a thousand dollars to someone that we think really uh, really gave it their all and and did the work. So. If that sounds amazing to you, we're kicking this thing off at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if it's before 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, you still have a chance to get in the challenge. I'll link the the link in the show notes. You can click the link and and sign up. It's 100% free. Um, but you can also go to zachkravitzcoach.com slash mybiggestclient, www.zachkravitzcoach.com slash my biggest client sign up get into this thing even if it's past 11 a.m you'll still be able to sign up and at least follow along um, because the the challenge videos will be up for two weeks and then after the two weeks the challenge videos go bye-bye and everybody will lose access so if that sounds interesting to you if you're if you're someone that's just kind of struggling to get clients or if you're just you're you're kind of at the same income level and you're not really progressing or moving the needle in your business or if you're just kind of stressed and you feel that anxiety and that pressure to always look for that next client and it's just kind of a struggle every time please do yourself a favor and sign up for this challenge because it's really really going to help you and when i say biggest client i don't mean the biggest name sometimes the biggest name doesn't equal the biggest pay if you know what i mean the key is is that you're getting paid what you are worth. Doesn't matter if it's a big name, a celebrity, or anything like that. The key is that they pay you what you are worth. For me, I don't care what kind of name it is. As long as I'm getting paid and I feel really good about it, that's gonna that's everything. Um, and there's a lot of different strategies we can we can go over. And some and a lot of the time it is a big name. A lot of the times um, it is a celebrity. 
And speaking of celebrities, our guest today, Nick Onkin, has been in the industry. He's a celebrity photographer. He's been in the industry for a long time now. And some of the clients that he has worked with include Justin Bieber, um, Usher, uh, Coca-Cola, Nike, Billboard, Adidas, Pencils of Promise, Vogue, Inked, Reebok, Cosmopolitan. Um, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Um, he has been someone that I have looked up to. He's been a mentor to me and I don't even think he knows he's been a mentor to me. Um, but he is such an unbelievable photographer and has been through a lot. Um, if you're going to listen to someone, he is definitely someone to listen to because he's seen a lot. He's worked a lot. Um, and he's done a lot of incredible things and, and we have some mutual friends and that's kind of how we, um, we got in contact with each other. So, um, really enjoy this episode. He's got some amazing stories to tell. I hope you guys enjoy and I will see you in the next one. Have a great day, everybody. Talk soon. Peace. get started uh we got we got nick onkin celebrity photographer world traveler in the house um oh man dude, that's, that's a lot I, to live up to i know i know <laughs> i i'm <laughs> i'm really excited about this episode ever since i met you um i i knew just actually just by looking at your passport i, I could tell that you've been through a journey you've been through a lot <laughs> just looking at your passport man it's like a it's like an old dusted book that you haven't seen in in years some ancient traveling thing um how many how many countries have you have you been to yeah it's funny i actually had to renew my passport speaking of because this year it expires and uh yeah it's gonna be sad to have to like start from a blank blank slate because that passport is so beautiful it's like i collect stamps not souvenirs um, but yeah, I mean, I've been to over probably 60 countries. I'd have to actually sit down and, and count at this point to see how many I've actually been to, but it's definitely over 60 and I've hit all seven continents. So wow. I've, wow. I've been to a few. That's crazy. Is that, is that from photography from just, you know, traveling for pleasure? Is that all work mainly? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit, it's always a mixture of both. And that's kind of been my my game uh, mode of operation. Um, you know, it's funny, I, I read the four-hour work week, like, you know, what, 20 years ago or something like that. And, uh, you know, that book was such a game changer for me. And, and not necessarily in the same, you know, the same light that he, you know, the methods that he uses, but the same idea, right? The idea that I can utilize what I do or what I want to do. I was doing graphic design at that time, so it wasn't even necessarily as correlated, but to create the life that I want and, and to try, I mean, I just got bit with the travel bug and wanderlust and, you know, how, you know, I figured out how, how can I utilize what I do to, uh, take me around the world and, and take me to different places uh, and the, the first, well, I went to, I went to London, I went to Britain for a month and traveled around. That was my first international trip. That was when I was still doing graphic design. Um, and I just kind of backpacked around and, and hopped on trains and stuff like that. Uh, went to different kind of cities throughout Britain. And then 
a few years later, um, my friend had gotten back from a trip to Africa and he was, a, he's an IT guy. And he was like, yeah, man, I, I built this, uh, this IT network for this nonprofit organization and they paid for all my, my, uh, flights and, and travel expenses. And, and I just donated my time and I was like, Oh, that's a really great idea. <laughs> and so I was like, well, I don't really need to be there for graphic design. So it doesn't really lend to, uh, to traveling, but, uh, with, I was like, maybe photography. And this is like when I was just, I had just started taking photos with my, like when digital had just started coming, getting good enough to actually use uh, digitally with design work and things like that. So I was like, well, maybe, maybe I can just pitch them to do a photo library. No idea what I was doing. Absolutely none. So I pitched this non nonprofit design client of mine that I was already working with to split the expenses on a trip to Africa and build them a photo library and you know i was either to my surprise they said yes and i was like great uh and then i'm thinking to myself okay now i gotta figure out what the hell i am doing right <laughs> i have no idea what right, i'm right, doing right. and this is at the time that like you know digital was just on the forefront nobody really knew what it was even the old all the film photographers were like trying to figure out what it was that um travel photography even was or is and how to how to do it or digital photography sorry and so I was kind of like I came in right at the early stages of that and you know I went to Zimbabwe Uganda Kenya and Burundi and that was probably the biggest life-changing trip for me and in, in the sense that it um it really opened my eyes to the developing world and to you know to it shifted my perspective in the way that I see the world in the fact that you know you experience these these areas where people have nothing yet they're happy and i actually it took me like about three months to adjust after coming back um from being immersed in that that world and traveling and just being out there and um it just shifted my world perspective and i you know it was something that i made inspired me to keep integrating you know, d nonprofit and charity work into my, you know, whole entire career and business. Um, and then that's also the trip that really opened me up and, and to open my eyes to that world of actually becoming a photographer. And so from there, it really like spurred me to explore photography as a career. Yeah. We, so. we, we have a lot of uh, photographers and filmmakers that listen to this podcast. And I think, probably the biggest question. And I, I think I asked you this when either the first or the second time we met, what, what was that, that one project or that one gig where you're like, wow, this is, I'm going to be doing this full time or I can do this full time. Was there a certain project or job that you got with your photography where it just kind of solidified that for you? Yeah, you know, I mean, it was, there was definitely small projects along the way. And I think once I decided after that trip to Africa was, that was monumental in, in terms of um, really opening my eyes to it. Then I started working with another photographer, started, you know, assisting him eventually on small Seattle commercial stuff, you know, and where it was just like me and him would just go out, I'd be his assistant, we'd do portraits and things like that. So it was kind of a mixture. Like I was assisting him and helping him out. I was also shooting my own work and my own portfolio work. And then I would pick up little jobs here and there, little things, you know, nothing that was like, oh my God, this is going to make me. 
And then, you know, I, I started shooting models. Uh, I shooted my friends and then I started shooting my shooting models for the local agency. And then that just kind of turned into what, you know, lifestyle photography. Um, and that kind of was like, okay, I want to be a lifestyle photographer. And then that's kind of the direction that I took, but it really took a lot of years to, to really actually get moving and get in the groove and get, you know, to the space where people are hiring me for really, really big productions. And, you know, that's a whole different ball game when you're working with 30 people on set and you're like running a set like that. You know, my first kind of induction into that world was, it was still small, but it was, a, a, I did a, a job for Nike. Um, and this was, yeah, this was kind of like the biggest job I had ha- ever had to date. And it, yeah, I mean, if you, if you want to say that, like, it was probably the most monumental job in the world of becoming like a commercial photographer for me. And, you know, it was one of those things where I had enough portfolio work to con- to show that I could do it. But it was one of those jobs where I was like, I still didn't know what I was doing and I had to figure it out. And I think a lot of these jobs, you know, you kind of have to get a, a good skill set to be able to understand how to problem solve. And, you know, I think a big part of it is hiring the right crew. Mm-hmm. So I ended up like, you know, this I had like four days to arrange the shoot. It was like I they locked the job in on a Thursday. Christmas was on a Saturday and the job was in San Diego starting on Monday. And I had to figure out how to get equipment and book tickets and like contracts and like all this stuff. And it was just learning on the fly and asking people, you know, for advice and and things like that. And, you know, I think it was it was a good learning experience. I ended up finding asking a friend. She's like, I have this friend who's an assistant but he has all the gear he can you can rent it from him he'll drive it down i talked to him and he's like i'll drive it he lived in la he's like i'll drive it down to uh i'll drive down to san diego and you know then he's like you can hire me to assist as well so i hired him to assist and he set it all up for me and you just kind of like you know figure it out as you go right, so right. it's you know if you if somebody gives you a job and they trust you that you're going to deliver, you have to like figure out how like to make it happen and to deliver it of with excellence. Yeah. And so that job for me was huge and pivotal. And it was, you know, we were shooting all these pro sports players like yeah, Ben wow. Roethlisberger and Tori Hunter and, you know, uh, Brian Erla, all these guys, I had no idea who they were. I'd actually Google them <laughs> when they like <laughs> called me. <laughs> so to the sports fans out there <laughs> no hate no hate no hate <laughs> yeah um you know who these people are i did not but uh probably better that i didn't at that time anyways um because you know one of the big things uh, when you're working with celebrities and pro sports players and people of that are in the public eye like that is you never treat them with you know, as a, like you never approach them as a fan. You're always a peer working with them as a peer. Yeah. 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 And you act as if you are, you know, you're the one in charge. They hired you and they have to listen to you. So the moment you fan out on a celebrity, they put you in a completely different category and basically, you know, you're not a peer, you're a fan. Yeah. It's interesting. I, I, um, I saw your post when you were at the Justin Bieber, uh, premiere, um, about how celebrities are just people and, um, you know, how long did it take you to, to figure that out? Was it just, you know, was it your first job just working with, you know, all these high level people and you were like, wait a second, you know, we have so many connections and, you know, we can relate on the same level almost. These are just people. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, like, it, you know, it, 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 it's interesting because it's somewhat taken me years to really understand or like to really kind of like assimilate because, you know, psychologically, we tend to put people up on a pedestal, even if it's like a subconscious thing. And for me, like I could always jump into a, a situation and act normal and act like a peer. But I think inside there's still this kind of like, whoa, I'm I'm working with this person. They're standing right next to me. And, you know, I think even when I met Justin and Usher for the first time, like I was like, I, you know, there was this like internal nervousness of like, oh, my God, like, you know, I found myself you know, we, I, when I met Justin, it was with Scooter and we were like, went on this, uh, I met, met Justin in the studio. He was recording his acoustic album for the first, you know, when I, when I met him, we hung out with him in the studio and then we went into, went to the Clippers game and I walked up the, uh, the ramp with him up to like the, right, he was right next to me as we walked up onto the court side. And it was like this kind of surreal moment. And it's like this definitely like internal balance of like, holy shit. I'm like, what, what is my, what am I doing right now? And like, <laughs> Who I'm, am how, I? how am I standing <laughs> next to this person? But also at the same, same time, you know, and especially now in my like later evolution of life, it's like we all, you know, it's you, the more you do it, the more you kind of get used to it, the more you can assimilate. And I think it's really about that and like you know when i first went you know i met usher that like a couple days later we were on his private vacation and you know, same feelings right like i'm like i'm sitting next to usher at dinner uh, like uh, with his closest friends and i'm like uh i don't even know what to say like how do like what do you what do you even start with a conversation it's almost like you have to like kind of force yourself internally to act as if you're and just like calm those crazy nerves down of like I'm sitting next to this person and at the end of the day, it's, they really are just a person, right? We all have like the same biochemical makeup, you know, there's just one, you know, it's just like a social structure and a social construct that puts them up into a, a pedestal and, you know, they're, they're definitely like a, you know, they're probably more talented or they think a different way and, and then most people have to get to where they've gotten. Um, maybe not everyone, maybe some people get just pushed into the machine and, and they they get there through other routes but a lot of these people are just so talented and and they are they're hard working and they you know i think a lot of that stuff i've broken down what has been fascinating to me am i to break down on my podcast with a lot of these individuals is like what does that take right what does that take to to push through and become that great and to create something amazing that's like recognized by a multitude multitude of people um, and most of it comes down to hard work and mindset and really being able to practice and work, work hard for the craft, not for the notoriety, but because they love the craft. Um, and if, you know, if somebody loves the notoriety more, which, I mean, you look at everybody in this Insta famous world, it's really more, people are like more in it for the likes and for the attention and, and it's instant attention. There never used to be that attention without, you know, before Instagram and Facebook, but now it kind of creates that space where it's, you know, it's less about the craft and more about the attention. And if you want to make a career out of this, you have to love it for the craft. Like you have to love what you do so much that, cause it's not easy. I mean, it's up and down, you know, that it's, it's, you know, you go through dark times. I went through a dark time a couple of years ago and I'm like 15 years into my career. And I was, you know, I had to re completely rebuild my business and 
repivot and you know because it's not what it used to be and it's cha- the whole industry's changed and there's a lot of different variables within that but um you know it's all up and down and you have to be you have to love it enough to stick with it if you want to make a living at it and continue through the journey yeah what what was that pivotal moment for you where you started to see you know business decline or something wasn't working were you able to you know were you were you able to see it immediately and you know patch it and pivot and and fix it or was it just kind of a drawn out process of not oh, no, man. believing was... <laughs> <laughs> you know what i mean yeah no it was a drawn out process and at this point you know i think uh, two, 2000, 2009 is when, or 2008 is when I signed with my first agent. Um, so I'd gotten a couple ni- more Nike jobs before that. Even after that first Nike job, I didn't see another job like that for two years. And so, cause, but I was like, oh, I got my first Nike job. Like I'm in the ball's rolling. We're going to like do this. And then like two years later, I'm like, uh, crickets, you know, I'm shooting weddings. <laughs> Where's my money? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like still shooting weddings. I'm shooting model tests. I'm doing everything that I can. I'm like, I'm, and I was like hustling hard. I was working hard, building my portfolio. You know, my friends were laughing cause I'd moved to LA at that point. And my buddy, you know, I was like living in this, like, I was paying like 800 bucks a month living in this like sweat box of a, of a, a, a room and a house literally is like a queen size of a queen size bed with like three feet on one side where I had my desk. So I could literally sit on my bed and use my desk and I would be like in there for like 14 hours a day, just like working and like making portfolio stuff and designing my websites and all this stuff. And, you know, two years later, I'm like, okay, well, um, Finally, I ended up getting a job for another Nike job, then another Nike job after that, which kind of like was the basis of that. And then 2008, I got um, signed with my first agent in New York. And then that kind of was the catalyst. If you might, like that was around August. And then my first big ad campaign came in December of 2008. Um, and then that was for Secret Deodorant, which was my first huge production it was, you know, I mean, like I'd never done a production like this before where I had 30 people on set. I had three assistants. I had a digital tech. I had every, hair and makeup styling. They all had their own assistants. And I'm working with the, the art director. And I have to be the one to steer the ship and run everyone. And I'm like learning on the fly, trying to figure this out. You know, it was way bigger than those Nike jobs because the Nike jobs were just like two or three of us. This is like, you know, we're, we fly down to Miami. We have two days of shooting. Uh, we're shooting... Um, you know, it's just like the shot was this, it was literally one shot that we were going for. And it took two days of production, probably a hundred thousand, over a hundred thousand dollar production for everything. And this is back when people were throwing money at photography for production and all that. And, um, you know, so we had, it was, it was awesome. I mean, it was so much fun. The shot was this, this girl in a bikini jumping into a pool at a pool party. (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> oddly enough like the whole i mean the casting we had to get these girls jumping on a trampoline in a bikini for the casting and then we had to shoot for the actual job we picked two and then they had to because they had to have the perfect like jump with like one arm up and so we had to cast them and make sure that they could actually do it and so we had them we had them jumping up against a black background on a trampoline first we shot that and then we shot at night we shot 
a pool party, which is very complicated because you're you got motion and you have to like they have to jump in the water and they have to get done. Then they have to get out and they have to get all dried up again. Like they have to dry the hair, redo the hair, and like so you really have to be on to like capture this. And then in the end, they just like kind of Frankenstein it all together in Photoshop and made this ad and it was cool to see like i ended up seeing it in like people magazine sitting on the plane you know a couple months later so that was pretty cool and that was kind of the kickoff of my bit my commercial career where i started shooting all these huge campaigns and the, the agent really helped with that um at that point in time um so 2009 2010 and then and i was like just it was skyrocketing like i had never made this much money in my life it was like crazy like i was making fees where it was like more than my mom made in a year and yeah inspiring and it was, you know yeah i don't you know and i don't know how much of that money is still there in in the industry now it's just changed so much um which is also a big piece of why like my career has gone like this um so you know and there's probably also space that i got super burnt out because i was like literally ping-ponging back and forth in la to new york shooting a campaign every in each place once in a weekend once in the next week and it was a lot of fun. It's super fun working on these big productions because um, you have a whole crew. You get to pick your crew. You have assistants. And, like, everybody comes becomes, like, a big family. And, yeah, around, like, probably 2011. 2010 was probably one of my biggest years. And then 11 was smaller. 12 was starting to, sh- to slide down. And then I was like, oh, shit, what is going on? Like, you know, like, my income's declining. I'm not, I'm losing a lot more jobs now than I'm, that I'm bidding on. And it was kind of getting frustrating. So it was like, but I did, I wasn't really aware like emotionally and, and energetically what was happening, um, in that space at the time. And then a few years later, you know, and I was just like going down this men- dark mental spiral of like, what's wrong with me? Why? Like if I'm not getting jobs and, and think people are like rejecting me left and right, then there's something wrong with me. You know, and because like, I think especially as artists, we associate who we are and our self-worth with our, our, who we are as an artist. And so if, if people aren't hiring us, then that can really affect our self-worth and our psyche. And for me, I didn't, you know, I wasn't aware of that at the time as I am now. And, and I have an understanding of all how, you know, this goes into like the future or the, like from there on, it's like doing all this other work like a couple of years later you know like 13 around like 12 and 13 my my business just like dropped so much and I was just like freaking out I didn't know what to do I was just in this emotional dark like spiral and then Lewis our, our good friend our Lewis good old friend Lewis yeah. <laughs> yeah he was doing this thing called MITT uh have you heard of MITT no I don't um, think so Oh, oh emotional. the emotional program. Yes. yes, 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 yes. Yeah, the emotional intelligence leadership print training. Yes. Out there in LA. And he was like, you know, he's like, oh, I can't go to Summit this year. I'm going to, I'm doing this like a leadership training thing. And I was like, I want some of that. Tell me about that. <laughs> and so he, en- he enrolled me into MITT. And that was a very hugely transformative experience for me. Um, you know, I did four levels of it. Um, and the last level was with him. Like we were, he, 
it was the PhD program where it was way more about public speaking and, and leading teams and communicating with people from a leadership perspective. Um, you know, everything else is like kind of the internal work up to that space to getting to that space. And it was hugely transformative. You know, I do think that like MITT and emotional intelligence work is the 5% of the word, you know, of our chemical makeup, you know, con- five, 5% is our conscious mind and 95% is, is unconscious and subconscious. So we have all these like wirings that are programmed into our body that essentially can be reprogrammed through different modalities and things like that. Um, but that's what I learned, you know, doing that program with Lewis was just like, oh, I, I you know, found out I had this like huge fear of judgment my whole life because I grew up in this Christian upbringing. And like, you know, my dad, just the way that he showed up to me was came off very judgmental, even though he wasn't, that wasn't his like intention, but that's how it, that's what I subconsciously learned from him. And I discovered that through this process. And then I also discovered this whole idea of how attached I was to the being a photographer and what I was shooting, who I was shooting. And when that started to go down the drain, um, that I, like my self-worth went down with that. And so did my, my own like wellness and well-being. Um, so as things, you know, progressed forward and the industry is shifting and changing and Instagram is becoming bigger, it becomes more about the platform than the actual craft. Um, as we were kind of talking about earlier, you know, then there's like a lot, you know, clients need way more, you know, they're, they're, the demand is higher for more work, but they still have the same budget. So that's just cramming all the budgets down to uh, lower fees and, and things like that. And then you have all an influx with like all the digital creators out there and, and the new kids coming in and, you know, being able to just pick up a camera, learn online how to do it. And then you're, you know, it's like they, the clients are accepting good enough. And so, you know, you have this whole different dynamic. And so it's, it's the industry shifted in that direction. So for me, you know, at a certain point, it just because like some a lot of these jobs just aren't even worth taking because the the money's not there. So yeah, so I've had to like pivot a lot, and you know, and then I started shooting Lewis, um, probably like five or six years ago. Is that when you met him for the first time? Five. No, six years? I met him, and we didn't even shoot for a couple of years. It was kind of when he just kind of went through this resurgence and like developing his his personal brand from where it was before um to like his first iteration of like helping people like teaching people to 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 um sell stuff online and things like that and then you know then he started the podcast and this was kind of around 2014 or 13 um and why he interviewed me on his podcast at like episode 38 or 36 or something i saw that. that i saw that very beginning yeah. of his show. Yeah. And that's what inspired me to do my podcast was like, I, you know, he just interviewed me. I was like, oh, that was super fun. I'd, maybe I should do that. I have a lot of really amazing friends that I can interview. So um, that's where I started my podcast from. Is that um, Neon Radio? Is that um, is that one of your passion projects or is that something that, um, you know, provides yeah, revenue? Yeah, a passion or- project. <laughs> <laughs> I would like it to, to, to generate to pay, revenue, yeah. revenue at some point, but <laughs> sure. I think, you know, also because primarily I'm a photographer, so most of my time and energy goes towards that. So I've not been able to like go full in on the podcast in terms of time, um, to grow it, but that's another plan this year. And, 
is to to jump in and um, kind of put more energy into it uh, to build that because I really enjoy it. It's a huge passion project. I love sitting down with amazing people and interviewing them and, and, you know, learning from them as well as sharing that knowledge with other people. Yeah. I, 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 I always talk about this with other guests, but I don't see a lot of creatives in the podcasting space. I don't know about you, but I'm, I don't see a lot of filmmakers, photographers, maybe more designers, maybe, but I think I think more creatives need to get into the space because I don't I don't see a lot of them in the space. Do you or Yeah, you know, I mean I think it's like cuz it's a balance of time and energy, right? I mean it's a lot to really, you know, it's a, it's a lot of work to maintain a podcast, which is why I haven't been able to put so much of my time and energy into it. I've been, you know, because most of my time and energy goes into uh the photography. And like that really is, you know, you really have to like dedicate time to getting better and, you know, making better pictures and showing more people is something that I talk about a lot because to really make it, you have to keep getting better and you have to keep getting that work in front of people so that they know about you. Yeah. Yeah. I dude. I, when we first met, well, we first met in New York with, with Lewis and I'm like, who the heck is this guy? Uh, <laughs> you know, I thought, first of all, I thought you were like 20 years old, which everyone does. Everyone thinks you're 22, but you're 40, <laughs> um, which is, it just blows my mind. But, but it was really when we, where I saw you again at Lewis's Mastermind that I got to see you actually work and take photos. Um, and I learned, I was, I, I was doing mainly video at the time and I hadn't done a lot of photo shoots myself, but to just see you work, I was like, wow, you make that look so flawless and easy and fun. And like, it's a dance party. And I just, I, just from watching you, <laughs> it was, I, I, I learned, I just remember learning so much. Um, and I think it's so important to connect with other creatives and watch the way they work. Is there a photographer? Are there, are there people where you just got to watch and you just, you were like, wow, I didn't know you could do it like that. Or wow, I didn't know you could set that shot up or bring a speaker and just dance. You know what I mean? Were there people? <laughs> yeah, man. I, you know, and I, I wish that I had more opportunities like that. And it's kind of like the, all the photographers that I've always aspired to, it's really hard to ever, unless you're like assisting full time and helping them out, it's really hard to get on set, you know? And I think the best way to do that is like to intern for somebody or apprentice for somebody. Um, but for me, you know, I would look at people's work and kind of break that down. Um, so, so I'm, you know, for, you know, there's, there's uh, as much as I can get on set, um, I can't, I, I try to, and but there's really hardly any, you know, the people that I really want to learn from, I'm like way past the assisting space. And so it's really hard to like be able to get on set. And I've sat down and had conversations with people like Jeff Lipsky, who's been on my podcast, whose work I absolutely love art striver as well. Um, they're both really amazing photographers. They shoot a lot of big celebrities, but like just their work is beautiful and Jeff is such a such a such a cool guy. Um, he's super down to earth, and he's got this really calming energy. So it's like to understand how they operate is really good. Now, recently, um, I have I kind of started working with this a manager that you know he kind of more focuses in China and stuff like that. 
Um, but he used to be a photographer. He used to shoot for GQ and like everyone, like he just shot a ton of celebrities, a ton of stuff. He's not really doing it anymore. Probably also a lot of the same reasons. You just, the industry shifted and, and things like that. And he's also kind of just done everything that he wanted to do in photography, but he really understands that he really, he's really great at it. And so I, he came over, he, he needed some shots done for himself. And so he wanted me to shoot him. So he came over and we like did, um, we did a photo shoot here in the studio, uh, in my studio right here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah I yeah. can tear up and down yeah. as you do in New York. And, um, he's got a really f- big energy. He's, he works with Peggy Sirota. He, he works with Eric Ray Davidson. Also, that's another great, uh, photographer I've had on, on the podcast whose work I really love. Um, both of them are very high energy. I think Ben Watts is very high energy as well. And so there's a big Dewey Nicks, all these guys from what I've heard have like a big energy on when they're directing and it's almost like a show in a certain sense. And so this guy, Chunky, um, his name is Chunky. He's, <laughs> he's awesome. <laughs> he's such a, yeah, it's, it's, he's actually Chinese and it's C-H-U-N-K-A-I, but it just sounds like Chunky. Yeah. So everybody calls him Chunky. That's hilarious. Um, which is interesting. And so he, he was, I was like, we, I finished shooting him and then I, I was like, Hey, could you grab a couple shots of me? And so he's like, of course. And so we just, we swapped and he photo started photographing me. And it was really interesting to see the way that he directed and the way, like the energy that he brought to directing me and like getting me to do things. And like, he's just, it was very like upbeat and it was very like uh, encouraging and like affirming and like just moving, moving, constantly got me moving and stuff like that. And I was like, this is really, this is, I'm learning a lot here. Right. And then we had a discussion afterwards and it was just like, we talked about how much of an energy exchange it is between the photographer and the talent and the more energy that you bring, the more energy you're going to get from your talent and from your subject. And it was just really like, that was a really big learning experience for me because I do it, but I can even like, now I'm learning how to take it up a notch and how to turn it up and, you know, be more vocal behind the camera, be more directive um, and, and really build that and, and bring, and, be higher energy myself which is a challenge to me because it's not something that i um typically it's not my mo i'm usually pretty chilled out and i'm trying to you know trying to get better at it so i can get what i want trying to ramp that up yeah yeah but there's also a healing that comes out of that right like there's a you know a creative healing and, and a creative growth that comes out of pushing yourself um more when you're you know in your creative craft and utilizing your voice and utilizing you know that's a big reason why I'm taking voice lessons now is to like help me become better a on the podcast but also b behind the camera and being able to communicate what I'm wanting and how I'm directing and and being you know being more vocal about things because you know we all have these like subconscious blocks and and different things that keep us from full expression and full uh, potential. Sure. That's incredible. Um, how much do you think is it up, is it, is it up to either you to bring out amazing images more so, or is it up to the model? How, how important do you think both relationships play in creating an incredible, incredible image? Is it mainly the photographer or is it split evenly? Well, what's your opinion on that? 
I mean, so, you know, the photographer has to be able to, to direct and bring out what they want in the subject. Obviously, the more the subject brings the energy, the more magic that you can create. And at least in my book, from what I've noticed, if I, if the subject is like here, I can bring them to here. If the subject is already here, I can take them to here. And you get just bigger, louder, beautiful, more like authentic imagery when somebody themselves is out. But as a, as a photographer, a creative, you have to work with all types of people. Like you have to be able to really bring somebody, you know, maybe somebody you're bringing somebody from here to here uh, from like, you know, one to three. Whereas if with other people, you're bringing them from like seven to nine or like eight to 10 um, or you can bring them from like five to 10, right? Like, you know, and that I think bringing them from like a five to a 10 is also what are you doing to to be able to bring your subjects to that space, to elevate them. And that's kind of the space that I'm working on. You know, how do I, I'm just thinking of this right now, but so like, how do I go, how do I bring people from like, instead of two notches, how do I bring them from like five notches up and and just get that much better, right? As a director, as a photographer, uh, to be able to direct somebody into a bigger space from themselves. Sure. And uh, do you have any tips that you can think of right now? As I was actually going to ask you that anyways. Any any yeah, tangible I mean, things? Tips, you know, the basics. Know, you, know the basics of your equipment so that you don't have to think about it, right? And it's like this whole like bringing, bringing in the knowledge. So you're not like sitting there fiddling with the camera. And this is another thing too is have, have another photographer shoot you and learn and see what they're doing. Because like being on the other side of the camera, which is something that I've been learning, actually teaches me how to be behind the camera and like what uh, how that feels right yeah so that's a really big tip that i've learned this last year because yeah. i've been doing more of photos of myself on social media and a lot of it's like i'll just like set up the shot and have somebody you know take it but then like you, you'll see you'll observe that other person and see like okay and if it's a photographer then you really observe what they're telling you to do, right? You're, you really observe of like, okay, this is this person telling me where to move my head or do I feel comfortable with this person? Uh, what, it, what are they doing to make me feel comfortable? Because that's, that's what you have to do on the other side of the camera is, is make them feel comfortable, you know, make them feel at ease, uh, make them feel like what they're doing is, is great. Even if it's not, sometimes you just move on but like you want that energy from them so you know i think it's that's that's the first tip is kind of getting that but you have to know your equipment first so you're not sitting there fiddling with your camera like uh it's the most awkward thing when somebody's like three minutes of like uh like figuring out their camera and you're kind of as a subject you're kind of like um uh what do i do and then my energy as a subject my energy goes down right you lose that energy from your subject so you want to know your camera you want to know your light you want to know all this stuff and sometimes that's why you just like some you practice with a friend that's like familiar with you um and and doesn't really care practice with them and and practice with the camera so you know what it's like so when you get to a subject that you don't know because you have to build a quick rapport with somebody especially on a job there's some of these people that i have to walk into the space and and get them to you know open up to me right off the bat and sometimes that takes you know you shoot like 20 30 shots before you actually start to get into it yeah and get warmed, warmed up. up yeah for sure yeah yeah 
but that's also your, you know, part of it is like warming that person up. Um, and part of it is also forcing yourself to be bigger than, to be a bigger personality than you sometimes come off as. Um, because the further you go and the bigger you go, the more you bring them with you, right? The more you bring them into your world um, and, and take them up the notches, right? But it's like any sort of coaching or leadership to like lead somebody, you have to have been there before. You have to have done that work and like been there. So those would be the, I guess, the tips for that I've learned for directing. Yeah, no, I absolutely love that. And yeah, the tip where you know, you should record yourself or have a buddy record yourself while you take photos, I think is just so spot on because you learn so much from, from not, not just watching others, but then watching yourself. You're like, it's very uncomfortable. It's if you don't do it often, um, at least for me, when I started recording YouTube videos of myself talking, I'm like, like I'm, I, feel, I look so depressed, <laughs> you know, cause I'm, I, yeah. I'm similar to you. I'm, I'm a lot more chill and, you know, relaxed and I'm, I'm introverted at heart. And so it really, it took a long time for me to bring energy and get pumped up. And, and like, I could see the progression from when I started uh, recording myself and, and seeing me talk versus now I'm so much more animated and I bring so much more energy. So that has, that, that's, that's a big tip for people. So I'm, I'm really glad you said that. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing too, along with that is, is really, uh, you know, knowing the direction of what you want to shoot, because I mean, if you're if you're trying to go for something more stoic and more darker, you don't necessarily have to be high energy. That's true. You just have to be like you just have to know what you want um, and how you see. You know, for me, like what I want, I love energy and I love joy and I love seeing that with uh, with people. But sometimes I'll direct a very more quiet shot with somebody, um, and then I'm not in that super high energy. Um, so, you know, it's, it's really kind of figuring out the energy of the shot that you want and then directing yourself yeah, with that. I love that. That's smart. That's so smart. Um, I was actually looking at your portfolio the other day, uh, just to, you know, prep questions and see what I wanted to talk about with you. Um, and I knew, I knew you shot a lot of people, Justin Bieber, Usher, Little John, Jay Shetty, Nike. I mean, the list goes on. Um, but then there was one picture that totally threw me, um, and that was uh, Robin Big. I saw oh, yeah. Big Black, Christopher Big Black Boykin, with his, it was the episode of, um, I think, his stripper dance. He was wearing, like, his stripper outfit or something. Were you, were yeah, you there yeah, the for that? No, I wasn't, Ugh. but they, I think it might have been just right around the time that I had shot them because, like, I had my first... Well, actually, I had, like, an agent back in L.A. when I lived there, and, you know, she, you know, funny enough, is, like, I was wanting to do commercial advertising because I knew that's where the money was, but um, she was really more in the celebrity side of things, and now I'm, like, I wish I would have, like, <laughs> kept on that track. You know, whatever. I mean, like, you know, because that's kind of more of what I'm doing now, but she actually got me to shoot them. Um, and I think I, w I went to their house and shot. And that was right around the time of that episode. Cause they were like, Oh, we just did this episode. Yeah. And they pulled out like the, they pulled out the underwear, <laughs> the G-string or the, uh, the G-string and the velour, the purple velour track suit that he was wearing. Uh, and and So classic. Funny. So classic. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Do you ever, do, yeah, that was, do you ever look at your portfolio and just have like a holy shit, 
like moment of, of looking back at how far you've come? Do you do that often or <laughs> once in a while or? Yeah, man. Well, it's funny because a lot of times I'll need to pull images uh, for something, for someone, whether it's submitting stuff or sometimes people like look, you know, need to like, you know, archive stuff that they want to buy or whatever. And so I'll, I'll go through my archive and I'll be like, oh my God, I totally forgot about this or like, you know, and I, it's like my, almost like my whole life up from like my whole photography life has been cataloged with like all these beautiful images and you know you can see the progression of where I started to like you know what I'm doing now and like aesthetically and like who I've shot throughout the years and and it, that's it's always pretty nostalgic to actually like cruise to the archives and then I'll pull I'll find something I'll be like I'll pull it out and send it to somebody that I shot you know like from back in the day I'll be like oh remember this yeah or, yeah, yeah, for sure. It's pretty fun. It's insane, man. Yeah. What what was the the craziest shoot that you you've done? Not not necessarily biggest, but just like just the just like shit happening, just like the craziest story that you can think of. Do you have one where like that one shoot was just like just insanity? You know, I mean, I don't know if there's like insanity. Like, I think the first time I shot Justin Bieber was a little bit. Pretty, that's insane like, that's pretty insane the whole thing <laughs> yeah i mean like they you know this is like after that vacation with usher and where i'd met justin just like that you know was, i think it was around 2014 or something like that and then a couple months later they put me up for their like well scooter put me up to like shoot so they sent my name to the agency in brazil and they were shooting justin in zurich um because he was on tour and like they literally it was for motorola and they were they had everybody had to fly to him because he had like a day off in between two tour dates um and so they like called me on a friday and then we negotiated over the weekend and landed you know finalized on monday and then basically had to fly out tuesday night to zurich get there wednesday morning pre-light all day and then we shot thursday and um on thursday he ended up like showing up like five hours late because he decided to go snowboarding so everyone was just sitting around all day waiting for him unreal <laughs> like waiting for him to show up and you know this is like i think just now he's just kind of starting to grow up a bit and um and, and like become more of like a respect <laughs> respecting human right right to other people but like at that point like he just didn't care and um you know I'm mean, he's a teenager going through what he's whatever he's going through but we ended up I shot him for like 15 minutes uh 15 20 minutes in front of a white backdrop like everything was prepped and ready to go and he just comes over he's like just like holding different like cell phone Motorola cell phones we just like had to get a bunch of portraits of him on a white background um but yeah shot him for like 15 20 minutes and then the next day um flew back home but like the crazy thing is is like i was supposed to be in my friend's wedding in dominican republic i pushed that the, the wedding was on saturday and i got this job i was like hey you know I, I gotta shoot this job um but it's on it's on wednesday it's on thursday so i was supposed to fly to dominican republic on, on that wednesday and so i changed it to fly there on saturday right right in time for the wedding so I Friday comes, I'm flying back from Zurich. We're sitting on the plane on the tarmac, literally two hours, nothing and mechanical failure. Oh, and no. they, and they're like, yeah, so we have to change. We're, we're going to have to cancel this flight because the plane's broken. 
and like after two hours of sitting on the tarmac and then we they pull us back in get to get into the gate and they're like we'll go up to the gate or i go up to the gate agent and like they're handing out like hotel passes for everybody and putting everybody on the next flight out they put me on the next flight out which is like the next day and i'm like i need to get to dominican republic by for my friend's wedding tomorrow like yeah there was another like there's nothing i was like can i fly but there were two separate tickets two separate itineraries and it, this whole the whole thing you know basically like they were putting me put me on the flight for the next day and i was walking i was like fuck i'm gonna miss my friend's wedding and i'm supposed to be in the way right <laughs> and i texted him i was like dude <laughs> you're gonna kill me but like my flight got canceled i'm in zurich and there's like i've exhausted every point of like trying to figure out how to do this to like get there and there's just no way and i started walking away from the counter and then i check my email pops up and they're like oh you're on a flight in from frankfurt to dulles at like 1 p.m and i was like wait what and I walked up to the gate person. And I was like, how? I showed him the email. I was like, how do I get to Frankfurt? <laughs> if, I have, if I'm on this flight, they're like, oh, they look it up. They're like, like, oh, there's a flight in like 30 minutes, but you have to run. It's like across the airport. So I had to like run across the airport, barely made it on the flight, got to Frankfurt. And then I get, they give me a seat assignment. When I get to Frankfurt, fly to Dulles. And by this time, that Dulles flight lands at like 11 p.m., on Friday night and I get to Dulles um, and I still have to fly to LaGuardia from Dulles. Oh my God. And I get to Dulles and like the customs line is literally the longest line I've ever seen in my life. It was like backed up way up to like the sky bridge. Um, and I was like, thank God I have global entry. And I literally just skipped the whole line and then get through and then got my bags and the freaking bag line was like all the way around the baggage claim and i was like global entry shot right through got on my flight to laguardia landed at like 1 a.m made it home and slept for like four hours turned around (laughs) got up at like five and went to newark new jersey and flew out and i made the wedding oh my god literally like landed Went straight to the wedding, got there. It was like right before the wedding. And that was like the, that was probably one of the craziest logistical nightmare. Um, nightmares. Yeah. But all worked out. Yeah. So, Jesus. Um, great story to tell wow. within that. Yeah. No, I <laughs> respect. How, how much has travel taken a toll on you physically and mentally? Do you think it, is there times where, good- yeah, it just like, you got to stop or you know that's a good question and i'm like i'm honestly probably feeling that the most now this last like five or six months i flew last year i flew probably a hundred thousand miles at least um i hit diamond on delta last year (laughs) uh, which signifies i mean it you know it's it was probably roughly around like a hundred thousand ninety to a hundred thousand flown miles last year i probably spent 15 grand on tickets you know just like i know this because that's how much it takes to make the status um and even last year like i i went to madagascar in december for this um entrepreneurs retreat and coming back from that was exhausting because we were getting chased out of the country by a category four hurricane trying to make it out i was like i was probably the most scared i've been traveling in the developing world because i just didn't want to get caught in a category for a hurricane in a country that doesn't speak English. <laughs> I don't think anybody does. 
it, you know, because they were talking about shutting down the airport for like five days. And I was just like, I have to get out of here because I was already exhausted from traveling. I get home and we finally like it only delayed us a day. We barely got out of there, but it was like 36 hours of just draining travel, like economy. It's just like exhausting. I got home. I was home for nine days and I had a shoot in Austin and then flew to Seattle to visit my family. And I was just so tired. So, I mean, just so drained. And I was supposed to go to Nicaragua for New Year's for like 10 days. And I was just like, I can't. I was like, I can't, I can't do 18 days on the road, like another, another 10 days on the road straight from Seattle. So I just canceled that and I flew home and I literally for New Year's this year, I got home the 27th and literally hibernated in my in my own bed in my own space for like six days. I didn't even see anyone. I did a big mushroom journey on New Year's Day. Good for you. Uh, New Year's <laughs> Eve, I literally like <laughs> slept till I like went to sleep at 12:01. I laid in bed, <laughs> watched movies, <laughs> and like, and I'm still exhausted. And then I went to you know my my mom had surgery, so like two weeks later I flew to Seattle, and I flew to LA straight from there. I came home a couple weeks ago. I came by home on Wednesday and then Friday I got this invite to the Bieber premiere. So I ended up like deciding to fly back out on Sunday and for two days. And that was last week. And then tomorrow I'm, I'm now I'm prepping to fly to park city for a shoot Wow! tomorrow. When's, when's the, when's the last time you just had a moment of like stillness for like a couple weeks? Um, I don't even remember like a couple weeks. I'm always working. I'm always doing stuff. Um, and that's what I'm trying to figure out the balance of right now is like, cause I think I've had, you know, I've had to rebuild my whole entire business model over the last three years. And so there's a lot of groundwork that I've been doing. So I'll sit in my office, you know, and honestly, like sitting in my office and working is almost a bit of downtime for me yeah for sure it's like i'm chilling you're in your own space you know, now i'm making hats yeah, yeah now i'm making hats too so right sometimes you know it's nice to like work with my hands and just kind of like do that as well um i definitely would like to have some like just chill time not doing anything um but i you know there's a lot of tools like meditation and i do yoga now a couple times a week and you know a lot of this stuff is very grounding the meditation piece i meditate 20 minutes every morning plus gratitude practice and that's very ground that's probably one of those grounding practices i have and i can take that with me when i'm traveling and it you know the type of meditation i do is like a very it it, it helps get over, get rid of stress out of your body and so it's like kind of brushing your mind every day, like brushing your teeth. And it's just like, it's, it's helped me change my state. It also, you know, it's, it's great for overall wellness. Um, because you, once you get rid of stress out of your body, that's what, um, how, what, what keeps you well. But, um, that's, yeah, that's been like a huge kind of staple of, of grounding. I, I remember, I remember in, in Turkey, we, we had the, um, we had the Akbar prayer song going off at like 4 30 in the morning every single day and uh and there you were sitting up in bed eyes closed just like zoned out and i'm like how are you doing that right now with this thing going (laughs) off (laughs) have you i I mean have you um how i mean how many years have you been been doing meditation is it ever since you got into personal development or um when did you kind of start um, yeah, that journey that f- 
four years ago. I mean, the personal development journey started a couple years, be- few years before that. And then I discovered this woman, Emily Fletcher from Ziva Meditation. And she talked about meditation and with like more scientific and neuroscience, um, you know, in terms of how it works and the benefits and all that stuff. And it just made a lot more sense. And so I took her class in New York City and, you know, I've been doing it since then. Um, so yeah, probably like three or four years. I've had her on my podcast three times because she just, you know, I love neuroscience and, and when you can talk about all these things with like more scientific background and, and understanding. Um, and then, so that, that's a practice that I do once, if not twice a day for 20 minutes each. And then I've also been getting into Joe Dispenza. I don't know if you've heard of him. Lewis has had him on the podcast a couple of times, but he talks about this. It's like the kind of the science behind woo. Oh, okay. But like he talks about how to like heal your body with your mind, but how, how that all works scientifically and biologically and all that stuff into like manifestation and like the science behind that. Um, and I'll do a lot of his meditations um, throughout. And then, you know, psychedelics and plant medicines I've been doing. Those are also huge um, growth tools i think and breath work is a huge growth tool as well uh so the more of these like modalities that i find um help me to kind of stay grounded and uh, to help me develop my own like inner inner world and and which your inner world you know represents your outer sure. world so yeah when 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 did you get into plant medicine for the first time i saw you went to uh i think you went to rhythmia right yeah, yeah. was yeah, that the to, first time that rhythm- you experienced that uh, well, ayahuasca, um, yeah, ayahuasca, I've been doing, I, I was doing psilocybin mushroom. I still do like psilocybin journeys, uh, probably like a, the last year and a half is, is how long I've been doing it. I'd never done anything. And then I read the book, how to change your mind, uh, by Michael Pollan, which is a huge, you know, he's a scientific food journalist and he comes at psychedelics from a very scientific and skeptical perspective. And after reading that book, I was like, I want to try everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, because if you set the right context, it's set setting and context and dosage. And, and if you really craft it, the, the better the journey, the better the, the benefits are going to be. Uh, I did DM, 5-MeO DMT couple, two years ago from like right around now. And that was my first psychedelic I ever did. And like that blasted me off into like the outer reaches of the, of the <laughs> universe. Dimension. And I came back and I had no, yeah. <laughs> and I was going through a dark night of the soul and I had no idea what was happening. And I was like, just, it just pushed me. It created a bigger contrast in my life. And I was like, and then I discovered breath work and breath work, you know, is kind of an in-between and it's I've like done a really that. great integration. Yeah. I, yeah. I experienced that for the first time a couple of weeks ago. Um, oh, really? yeah, yeah. I'd never done it. And, you know, I, I wasn't skeptical. I was very open-minded, but I had no idea what was going to happen. And, uh, it was, it was pretty incredible. I know it's the, they call it the sober DMT or something along those lines. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, you can reach similar states as DMT with breath work, but it's not as like extreme. Right. Sure. Um, but I've hit some of the, their holotropic states, um, where I've hit with breath work. I've hit it on some Joe Dispenza meditations here and there. Um, and it's just kind of this like detachment to the 3d self, the human, um, (laughs) that makes, that makes any sense. Like you kind of transcend outside of the five senses, like a third person kind of like into another dimension. dimension. Okay. Like the, yeah, just like to consciousness. 
um, which is super interesting. And I'm learning a lot more about like all of these modalities and things like that. But psychedelics will take you there. Breathwork will take you there. Meditation will take you there. Um, and it's kind of, you know, it, there's a whole rabbit hole to go down, but the whole idea of, you know, the human experience where, you know, we experience everything, you know, my impression, all of this stuff here is just like an imprint and like a projection into your mind. You know, we're interpreting, you know, my, my vision of you here on this computer. Um, I'm listening to you. So I'm, I'm experiencing you, but the whole experience is in my head. Right. Um, and it's just a perception. It's a sensory perception. So our five senses create an experience all within our mind or our head. And, and that's what creates our human experience. So if you can tap out, if you can, if you tap out into an outside, if you're not in that, those five sensory experience, you're kind of tapping into the, the space of consciousness, which is like meditation. You know, it's these states where you know, your, your thought, your mind isn't thinking and, and you're, you're not, you are not your thoughts, right? Cause your thoughts just like can, can run through your head. But if you step back, you're just an awareness. You're just like, uh, you know, you're, we're spiritual beings in a space suit right. in, a, in a meat suit. Right. Right. It's... <laughs> at the end, at the end of the day is Ram Dass says, um, you know, and that's, you know, that's a whole kind of rabbit hole that I'm like learning about and diving into yeah. and understanding. Do you, do you, so. uh, do you research about the universe and, and, and just how much that we don't know? Do you, is that interesting to you at all? Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, it's super interesting. There's, have you ever read the, read the book, wait, but why? Or I'm not book, the blog. It's no, a blog. No, no. This guy, Tim. Tim Urban, his stuff is amazing. He breaks down these like super high level concepts into any like down to like very easy to understand. Like he draws like stick figures and stuff like that. Uh, but he he talks about the the concept of the Fermi paradox, which is, um, have you heard of the Fermi paradox? Yeah, yeah. Basically, the idea that for every grain of sand on this planet, there's like another another Earth like human like type planet out there with other inhabitants and other life forms and, and things like that. And that's just like on the very like small percentage of, of possibility right. um, compared to what's actually out yeah. there. Um, but he'll take that, he'll break it down in like this crazy, like very easy to understand. I'll, I'll have to check uh, that out. Cause I, I love every, every time I go to bed, I'm always researching and, and learning new theories and, I've been getting into the simulation theory a lot recently, and that's always just fascinating. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, just thinking about how 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 our race, the the amount of time that we've spent on planet Earth compared to, you know, how old the universe is, is just kind of mind blowing in itself. And so it sends you down another rabbit hole of like, oh, is this well, is this a simulation <laughs> then? So. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah. fascinating and a little scary. Yeah, I mean, and, and that's that all kind of goes even into what I was just talking about the five sensory experience, right? Yeah, right. It's like if you if we're just like this, you know, if we're from another time frame and we're just beamed into this body and we're having this like simulation experience of what's happening with like using like bio biochemistry and like sight and like senses, you know, is is who we are. We're just like a spiritual being. Or we're like somebody out there is another spiritual right. being controlling. <laughs> exactly. Our, our like, you know, and I look around sometimes and I'm just like, oh, humans are just so funny because we're just like, exactly. Exactly. 
and like hurting around and like doing our thing when all of this is just made up you know we we've made everything up just so we can like exist here on this planet um, we're just a bunch of cattle whatever going around. we're doing yeah it's uh <laughs> it's interesting well anyways i want to i want to so bring it back to to this dimension uh back to earth for just a second <laughs> um <laughs> we can that'll be another episode um uh, another, another episode. episode i want to talk about it really quick because I, I i know you're you're short for time um i want to talk about relationships you, you mentioned um, in one of your podcast episodes that, that relationships are your greatest mirror, um, is one of the top, one of the 20 things you learned in, what was it? 2019 or 20, something like that. Yeah. Um, 2019 I think something. it was 2019. How, how important have relationships been to what you've been able to accomplish and, and what are some of the things that you think about? when you try to make new relationships, do you have strategies and things like that, or do you not really think about it that deeply? I think there's a couple different types of really, there's romantic relationships and those are our biggest mirrors. And those are the biggest things that if you can step back and observe what's being triggered in you is usually something that you need to heal and work out within yourself. So the things that if you're in a relationship, you get angry about, uh, with the other person, it's usually a reflection in a mirror of, of that within yourself. Um, and you know, that's takes healing on your part, on our part of, of working with that. And also conjunction with that other person. I read this book, um, right after I broke up with my ex a couple of years ago, uh, it's called hold me tight. And it's basically a book on how we trigger each other's triggers without even, without <laughs> even knowing it <laughs> wow. and to be able to, yeah, to be able to understand what your partner's triggers are and what your own triggers are and be able to step back and work from that space of not being in the trigger. Um, and now I've kind of had this like quote that I really like um, that I, I don't know if I made it up or if I heard it somewhere, but like, You've got to play the game. You don't be the game. Mm. The moment you become the game, like your ego is the game, right? The moment you become the game, you get wrapped up in it and you become attached to it. And therefore that game, you, your your self-worth is the game. But if you're just playing the game, like if we're just playing the simulation, you can always remain in it, but like step back and observant, then, you know, you can always course correct and you can, you can um, move forward from there. Um, so, you know, relationship wise, romantic relationship wise, I think that's a huge, um, thing in terms of mirrors. Now, in terms of business relationships, um, I think it's all about adding value. I just interviewed this guy, Jason Harris, who wrote a book called the soulful art of persuasion, uh, which is a really great book on building business relationships, building soulful relationships and playing the long game. And, you know, he's like, he has a thing called never be closing, and, you know, he's like, build really great relationships in business so that your people want to work with you and people want to do things with you and you're not like trying to close them on everything. And, you know, there's, you know, I think one of the biggest things is adding value to people. Um, you know, you see it so many times people want to, especially this day and age, because like you can connect with anyone over the internet, but like people get, uh, especially people that are like high up or, or just not like high up. That's, I would say like get a lot of, a, you know, have a lot of reach and are influential have tons of people reaching out to them. So, you know, I think always being there to offer and add value. And this is something that Lewis has always done really well is to build relationships is 
offering and adding value and adding value and adding value without really asking for anything. And I think so many people come in and just like try to take and try to add, try to just get stuff. And, um, you know, I think you got to give and be more giving. And I think, you know, I'm sure you resonate with this too, is when somebody like comes and gives something to you and you're like adds value, you kind of feel like, Oh, I want to give back to this person. Or I want to like, uh, you, you are more apt to share with that person versus like, Oh, just let me, you know, I'm just going to pick from your brain and take from you and, and like suck all your knowledge out. And, you know, because I don't know, I think before the internet, that was like, I feel like that phrase was such a, it was more of a note. It was more of like a compliment, right? Now it's more like, well, it, it feels more takerish. Um, and I think when you're trying to connect with people, like add value to that person's life or that person's business and like help them out as much as you can. Um, and hopefully in return, like you'll be able to even ask them for advice and ask them for knowledge and and things like that. Yeah. Especially when you, especially when you do with people that you actually respect and like, you know, if you're just seeking for some sort of monetary gain or some sort of, you know, plan of attack, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it doesn't become as effortless anymore when you're doing it with the people that you truly respect and, and like really like it, it becomes, and you just add value and add value it becomes effortless. And then when you do make an ask, because that will happen, you know, like me asking you on this podcast and taking an hour of your time, it becomes a little bit less energy sucking. It becomes just effortless. So, yeah, 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 no, I'm, and I, and I think, and I appreciate you having me on the podcast too. And I think there's this other, you know, this other book called Belong by Rada. Um, I don't know if you know Rada. Uh, and I'm probably going to have her on the podcast at some, sometime soon. But she talks about, you know, creating community and the idea of belonging. And like, I think the other aspect is, is that you have to do the work to become a better, more dynamic human, more, you know, more interesting, whatever that looks like the more interesting of a human you can make yourself, the more people are going to want to hang out with you. The more people are want going to want you to be part of th- what their orbit is, right? Their life and their orbit. So, you know, do the work to become more interesting, to be more giving, to be more open, to be more, in, you know, just like influential or whatever that, whatever that looks like, um, you know, because people get tired of takers. It's just, it's just energy sucking. I hate it. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, anyway, I got, I got a couple more questions real quick and you got to get out of here at 45, right? Yeah. We got a couple of minutes. Okay. Okay. I, I asked this question to every guest just cause I'm curious, but, um, if you, if you had really no, no stressors, no, you know, no financial concerns, you, you were in your highest place. Um, what would what would your perfect day look like to you consistently throughout what would, <laughs> from wake up to going to bed what would be a, a what would be that perfect day for you i mean you know honestly a lot of what i'm doing now to be to be honest that's I amazing mean, no that's like, great you know i think life is about crafting and optimizing and still growing at the same time so waking up meditation gratitude, uh, working out, you know, today I went and did yoga for an hour. Sometimes I'll just do strength training here, protein, making my, my super protein smoothie shakes is like part of my morning ritual. And I I don't even know you can see like, 
behind me here, there's like uh, I have I I use this Temple Copal and I burn I've started burning it every morning just because it like puts like smoke in here and just kind of has a great smell and it cleans the energy around here. I have sure, my, like, sure. I love the intention sound bowl, behind you. So I'm just yeah, that's my the art that I made and stuff yeah. like that. So you know, morning routine wise, you know, it's like an hour and a half, two hours for myself before I actually start start working. Um, that's good. You that's know, amazing. I, yeah, I think just having the variety. I love the variety. I think um, I would probably be doing more select shoots, more uh, you know, with really people that I want to collaborate with, podcasts with people that I want to collaborate with. I want to do a kind of a coffee table interview book at some point probably a combination of portraits yeah that's kind of like a higher goal with the podcast is kind of combine it all um and then you know making hats for you know different celebrities different types of people i think is also kind of up there and then you know having a relation like a really like fully expressed uh romantic relationship i think is definitely like like you know a partner yeah a partner in crime you know waking up to somebody who i adore and and who we can build and grow and deepen our you know lives together um so add that into the mix and you know i think the only thing that i would probably that i'm not doing now is um just having to the whole idea of like having to like hustle for money sure um you know i would just pick and choose more creative projects um then you know now i just kind of you know i have to take certain you know i take jobs to to pay for everything that i'm doing Whereas if money wasn't an option, then I'd still be doing everything that I'm doing just on a more like refined basis. Sure. More, more, more picky, a little bit more selected. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. You know, and I think just, you know, the, some of the biggest things that have been really important to me is just like the inward journey doing like these plant medicine journeys and the breath works. And there's a lot of self care stuff, massages, probably get more massages. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> all this stuff. I'd probably be doing like float tanks and, and all these like, I love biohacking stuff. So yeah, I'd probably yeah, be yeah. doing more of that. And yeah. Yeah. That's, that's about, you know, about it. That's amazing. I, I always ask that question because there's always things that we want to do that we could be doing now without any kind of, you know, financial burden, like, you know, like massages, for example, like you can, you can find a place to get a good massage and whatnot. There's always things you can do right now. And sometimes it just takes that question to realize, Oh, like, why am I not doing that right now? You know what I mean? Yeah. It um, usually comes down to a time, an allocation of time and money, right? Yeah. Yeah. And for how sure. Much money you're making for the amount of time that work you're working so that you can pay for, you know, you have time. I'm working to make more and less time so that I have time to do all this right. other stuff and right. finances to do all this. Other right. Stuff. W- work less and make more. I'm a huge proponent of that. Um, Absolutely. Well, thank you, man. Where, where can, where can people find you? Podcast. Um, yeah. You Instagram. know, at Nick Onkin is my Instagram and everything's kind of linked from there. If you want to check out the podcast, it's at neonradio.com. That's N I O N radio.com. Yes, sir. And but from the Instagram, you can you can find everything from there. My website of photography, podcasts, the hats, all that good stuff. Go buy a hat, everybody. Go buy a hat, <laughs> um, <laughs> dude. I appreciate you being on here, man. You've been ever since I got to know you a little bit more. You've been a huge inspiration for me. Your work, um, your mindset, 
just the way you think about life has been just eye opening for me. So I just want to acknowledge you for that and, and let everyone know to, to check out your podcast, neon radio and, and just go look at your work. And it's just, it's, it's amazing to, to see your journey from afar. So I appreciate you for, for, for being on here. Thanks brother. Fun, Thanks man. for having me. Yeah. We'll do it again. All right, Thanks, bro. Yep.